Hello and welcome to this episode of Superhero Ethics. Today, myself and DC super fan and writer Jessica Plummer is joining me to talk about Black Adam. We're going to talk about Dwayne The Rock Johnson making his superhero debut. We're going to be talking about Hawkman and what is this Justice Society compared to a Justice League. We're going to be talking about the uh, slight dance through Egyptian history that is done very nimbly and with very little count for actual history. All that and more after a commercial break. We have no control over. Welcome back. This is Matthew, your host. I'm joined, as I said, by Jess Plummer. Jess, uh, I, I should clarify, is not a writer for DC, though should be, but is a someone who frequently writes about DC comics, as well as other comics, uh, for Book Riot and other great sources, and has frequently been a guest on this podcast. So, Jess, uh, welcome back. Thank you. Happy to be here. So, I have to say, Black Adam was not high on my list of things to watch. Um, it looked fine, uh, but I didn't really have any connection to the main character, and because of my uh, hatred of spoilers, I knew nothing about who else was going to be in this movie. Uh, by the way, there will be massive spoilers for the movie, so be be warned, listener. And, and it just seemed like the kind of thing, like, okay, I'll wait till it's on the streaming service. I don't want to go to a theater and all that. But you told me this was a movie that you were really interested in what I'd, I had to think of. So that, that for me is often a defining characteristic. So I went, uh, quite enjoyed it, found quite a lot to talk about. Um, and I'm, let's just kind of start there. Like, what, what was it about this movie that made you be like, okay, this is something Matthew would want to watch and maybe talk about? Well, it's funny because um, it is partially inspired by a Justice Society comic that when I read it, I was like, man, I wish Matthew read comics because it's so interesting, um, ethically, unintentionally mm-hmm. interesting. <laughs> like It's not doing yeah. it on purpose. Um, and I really wanted to discuss it with you. Um, but I didn't know, uh, like, I, I didn't think, hey, can you go read like 20 comics from 2004 was gonna work. <laughs> but then The Rock had my back and has been working since 2006 to make this movie. So it worked out. You know, all the better. And I, I have to say, I I like The Rock. I think The Rock works much better as a, like, to me, my favorite version of The Rock is in Fast and Furious, where I think that, like, because I, in many ways, he feels to me like a budget version of Vin Diesel, <laughs> which is very funny, because clearly, like, he gets the main headlines, Vin Diesel doesn't. But, like, I like I think he's very good as a kind of secondary player rather than the main lead. So I, I was a little nervous about this, and I, I don't think, uh, you know, I don't think he's being nominated for any act uh, any Oscars for this, but it was pretty fun. Let's just kind of start, because some people may not have seen it. Um, let me try and give a brief summary of the movie. You fill in what I've let, uh, missed, and then we can maybe start talking about uh, what were some of the questions you thought were interesting and, and so much to talk about with this movie. So for those who haven't seen it... Um, Thousands and thousands of years ago, in a country that is very much Egypt slash Persia slash DZ Comics doesn't want to get sued, so we're making up a country in, like, North Africa, Middle East, maybe Persian Gulf areas, called Kunduk, I think is how you pronounce it? Kunduk, yeah. Kunduk. 
Um, and there is this terrible king who is making people, uh, making everyone into slaves and they have to mine for this, uh, you know, DC version of vibranium or whatever you want to call it. Um, because if he can get it, he can build this, cr uh, crown that will have the essences of the seven great demons and make him immortal and unstoppable. And of course, the people suffer under the slavery and, a young boy kind of tries to speak up against it and his, his uh, a paternal figure to that young boy tries to stop him uh the young boy though inspires people to stand up uh, but of course the king is like no 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 he has to be killed and then when the boy is going to be killed there's a miracle he disappears and the boy seems to live and all of a sudden we have this incredible hero named black adam who is created in what seems very much like the process that creates the character of Shazam. Yeah. And actually does use the magic word Shazam. So, questions. That's the first thing we're going to put on the dartboard. We have a number of those. Um, then we flash forward in time to history many, many, many thousands of years later. It's the present day. Some people are still looking for, like, archaeology stuff in this uh, place. But also there's some people who are looking for the material. What, 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 Eternium, I think it's called? Eternium. Eternium, yes. Some of them are noble and good, as by the fact that they are uh, is an attractive woman. Uh, the others are clearly like bad and nefarious by the fact of their you know just bad and nefariousness. And in the course of their fighting, she wakes up. She says the word Shazam. Black Adam bursts onto the scene to, to be the protector again. But his way of protecting is, oh, you spat on the sidewalk. I'm going to kill you. Um, well, well, I. I would uh, okay. argue that point. <laughs> he he doesn't hurt anybody from Kandak. He's certainly not like going after minor infractions. Everybody he kills is actively shooting a gun at him. That is true. That is true. But it, 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 I, I, the, we 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 can quibble about it. Hawkman certainly has his opinion. Yeah, about yeah it we as can well. get into yeah. it. I just want to like. Plot-wise, I, I was not I was overstating for humor, and you're correct. It's not a good summary. He he is very happy being incredibly destructive to the people who are either attempting to harm him or who he sees as harming Kondok. Kondok, but yes, it's not like willy nilly killing whoever he wants. He clearly doesn't seem to want power for himself for power's sake. Yeah. He just wants to go back to his role as protector. But it turns out that this has people concerned. Amanda Waller pops up and orders this group called the Justice uh, Society uh, instead of the Justice League, which consists of um, Dr. Fate, Hawkman, um, uh, Adam, Adam Smasher, Smasher, and Cyclone. Uh, who never smashes the Black Adam, which <laughs> raises big questions, but it's A-T-O-M versus A-D-A-M. Um, and then a girl who's a basically red Cyclone, but younger and Latina. Um and was there any, no i think it's just those four yeah cy uh just cyclone um but her grandmother was red tornado oh okay i didn't know i was like is this some new character what's the connection so yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense um so yeah so then and of course there's fight 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 and hawkman is the most who's like no you're terrible because heroes shouldn't kill um which i don't remember batman having hawk wings but here we are um they fight a lot they try to convince him that he shouldn't do these things meanwhile the evil plot is evil plotting um Eventually, they convince um, 
Black Adam that he should go back into sort of hibernation because he's this threat to everybody. I don't quite understand how they do it, but that's another question. Uh, he says Shazam, then the uh, person who's been trying to get the crown again. By the way, our heroes found the crown. And it's been this kind of hide-and-go-seek game as we're rushing all over the streets of Cairo. I mean, uh, Tehran. I mean, not any of those cities. Uh, <laughs> the capital city of Kunduk. Kundak, how you pronounce it. Uh, and then they realize they're still going to lose. And so Dr. Fate does Dr. Fate things to allow Shazam to have... Black Adam be able to say Shazam, come back to, to full power, come to save the day. Dr. Fate tragically sacrifices himself so that Hawkman won't sacrifice himself so that Black Adam and all the rest of them can save the day. Good triumphs. And we end with kind of a like tense standoff of like, okay, we're going to kind of let you do your thing, but we don't really like you. To, we wish you were kind of like more under the like Justice Society, Amanda Waller, like umbrella and Black Adam's like cool story. No, thanks. And we're kind of just going to all go our own way. And then uh, mid credit scenes tells us. Henry Cavill is back. His upper lip looks totally normal. And <laughs> Superman and Black Adam are going to have some beef at some point in time. How did I do? You did great. Um, I do think – I'm not sure that uh, Quintessa Swindell, who plays Cyclone, is Latina. Um, they are definitely black. Um, they are also non-binary, um, which oh, I cool. just learned awesome. looking at their Wikipedia awesome. page. Um, and, yeah, I'm so glad they're making a Black Adam fight Superman movie because as we've all seen – Someone fights Superman leads to a really good movie everybody likes a lot. Sigh. I I feel like if Henry Cavill could have one role, I want him in The Witcher, not as Superman, but that's an entirely other story altogether. I want him um, as wildly, hilariously miscast as Sherlock Holmes in the Enola Holmes movies on Netflix because <laughs> they're adorable and he is in no way Sherlock Holmes, but he's having a great time. I need to try watching that that movie again. I did not like Enola Holmes because he's so very much not Sherlock Holmes. Oh, he's but so miscast. It's hilarious. We're, we're so – I mean, we can compare that to Robert Downey Jr., but that's a whole other <laughs> set of the conversations to have. Um, anyway, so so that's kind of the framing of the movie. And I have a lot to ask about the movie, but let me first start. So what was it that in the, this series of comics or in this movie that you were like, I want to talk to Matthew about this? So I – thought that the way that this movie I, I look I, I went in expecting like not a very nuanced movie um mm -hmm. I didn't expect any moral besides supervillains are bad and we should punch them um and I certainly didn't expect any like geopolitical commentary. Um, and mm -hmm. it's definitely in there, surprisingly. Oh, yeah. Um, it's not like we, we have talked, you and I, about, <laughs> you know, comparing this to something like uh, Black Panther. Um, it's not nuanced. It doesn't really dig into any of the topics that it's raising. And mm -hmm. some of them, <laughs> like, it... As, as you sort of alluded to, um, there is a debate between Black Adam and Hawkman over whether or not you should kill people. And then they just don't resolve it at all. It's like just they, they fight mm -hmm. about it's it's only there so that they will punch each other for a while. But like they don't there's no yeah, they don't do anything with it. Um, but the thing that they do 
apply a little bit more thought to is um, the movie has a really strong anti-imperialist theme to it. Like the, when the present day storyline begins, Kandak is under um, the oppressive regime, I guess is the word we're going to use of um, intergang, which is, I don't remember if it's specified in the movie that they are an American criminal organization. And I feel like the main uh, intergang dude is British, but they are certainly yep. Western, and I have to say that name made me think that a bunch of bikers all found each other through a website. <laughs> like I didn't really know <laughs> what was going on. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, Intergang. Um, I believe they first uh, appeared in Superman comics in the seventies, but I'd have to double check that. But they tend to show up um, as just sort of recurring. If you need a criminal organization that has really souped up weapons you pull out mm-hmm. Intergang and it's, you know, it's not like specific characters. It's just whoever's in Intergang at that time. So they work well for like generic faceless bad guys here. Um, but whatever they are, they are not Kendaki, right? They're not from there. They are Western criminals who have come to Kendak to exploit the people and the natural resources, specifically Eternium. Um, and, the movie is pretty clear that that's bad. Um, mm-hmm. And then when Amanda Waller sends the JSA in, which in and, it's, in and of itself is a sentence fragment with so much to unpack. Like I'm not quite sure how I won't kill and I work for Amanda Waller work in the same sentence. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't understand why Amanda Waller has the authority to send the JSA anywhere. Like, she has Mm -hmm. the authority to send the Suicide Squad places. The JSA has always been, has always either been an independent organization or literally getting their orders directly from President Roosevelt. (laughs) Like, that's it. They, they don't work for the government. They don't work for Amanda Waller. Um, it's hard to see. Because that's interesting. The movie certainly portrays it as though this group is much more we follow orders from the government as opposed to the Justice League, which is like, we're not going to overthrow governments, but we're going to fight the evil we think we see. They definitely seem like a government special forces branch, um, which is like that part of the movie probably reads more logically to someone um, who hasn't read the comics, because to me, I was like, why are they doing anything Amanda Waller tells them to do? But if they work for her, I don't know why they would. Um, But if they do, then I understand that those actions there. Um, But one thing that I was really, really conscious of um, (laughs) because Man of Steel is very infamous for the property destruction, is, as as we've said, Black Adam is a highly, like, he's highly destructive in his fights. He tears apart tanks and helicopters. He kills, um, not indiscriminately, but he kills everybody who is attacking him with zero remorse. Um and there is a lot of like sort of quote unquote destruction porn. Um, can I say that? Yeah. That's <laughs> um, in his fight scenes out in the desert. However, 
Once he gets into the city, aside from like refusing to use doors in Adriana's apartment and walking through the walls, <laughs> which is very, it's a very funny runner. Um, aside from that, there's no, he, he causes basically zero property destruction. He does not right. smash buildings. He does not throw cars. He doesn't do anything that could hurt the people who live there. And then the Justice Society shows up and they're just destroying everything left and right. They're knocking over statues. They're smashing buildings. Like Adam Smasher, who is the reason I saw this movie because I love him, should not have been let out of the plane because he yeah. <laughs> breaks so many things, which, I mean, he's gigantic, so he can't really help it. His power yeah. is growing. But it's none of that was an accident. Like, that was all very clearly deliberate oh, very much. that the, you know, the, the native born superhero is being very careful with his home and the people who live there. And the Americans are just breaking everything because they don't care. They are here to do the job that they feel like they have the authority to go into another country and do. Um, And Adriana, it's mostly Adriana. I feel like other characters say this too, um, like Amon and even Black Adam. But Adriana especially is very- Adriana, to be clear, being the the woman from the country who's the archaeologist who finds the the crown. Yes, yes. Um, She, I mean, she's she and her son Amon are the real heroes of the movie. Um, And she makes it very clear the people and the the response of all the extras makes it very clear. The people want Black Adam. They love Black yeah. Adam. He is their hero. He is from their country and he is from their legends and he is protecting them and doing what they want him to be doing. They don't want the Justice League there, the Justice Society there. They don't want Americans there. They did not ask them to come and the Americans have done nothing to help and they did nothing to help before Black Adam showed up when this country was oppressed by a literal criminal organization that was exploiting them and nobody cared. Um, yeah, I think that was by far the part of the movie that drew me in most. And so yeah. you, uh, I'm glad you were on that same page because you're right. The surface level anti-imperialism critique is the people who've come to steal the resources. But I, the real anti-imperialism critique is exactly that. It's these bunch of Americans who are saying, oh, there's a problem in your country and someone in your country wants to fix it, but they're not fixing it the way we think they should. So we're going to come in and, you know, fix it for you, but actually do far more damage. And yeah. like, yeah. you know – there's an awful lot of American history of imperialism that's not that where there. There's an awful lot of history where America is just intergang, but there's also history where like, you know, when like yeah, there have been real problems in you know places like Libya and and Haiti and and other things like that. But the U.S. has just come in guns blazing, had no understanding of what was happening at the local environment, had no understanding of who to work with in order to like help stop the people who are doing terrible things to those people. We don't have to get into the particular political critique there, but I'm sure you can guess it, knowing my thoughts on American uh, intervention in general. But that's the whole point, is that the the Justice Society are this perfect metaphor for people who – you know, they, they see the locals doing it wrong and they want them to do it this way. And I will say that that ties into why I was so incredibly frustrated with Hawkman saying, do not kill. Because <laughs> first of all, and people have heard this podcast before, have heard me go on at great length about this. For me, there's a fundamental difference between do not kill and do not murder. And I, you know, 
you've heard me make the jokes about like Daredevil says, I'll never kill people. I'll just hit them in the head with a metal pipe that can <laughs> never cause lethal damage, I'm sure. Um, but to the extent, Haw- what Hawkman seems to be saying is don't murder. Because there are definitely times where Black Adam is like, oh, you did a bad thing. You are now completely helpless. You're surrendering. You are in no way an active threat to someone. But I'm going to throw you over my shoulder and make you land 200 feet away in a way that's going to be instant death for you because I'm mad at you. And, and there's an ethical argument to be made that maybe heroes shouldn't do that. And often I would come out on that side. But instead, Hawkman just makes it this we won't kill. And part of why I don't like it so much is I feel like they're both making this powerful anti-imperialist argument, but then also completely muddying it because they're making it seem like, but actually when the Americans come in to say, Black Adam, you're doing it wrong, Black Adam is doing it wrong. And but that it, it, like it feels like the, there's two different parts. The movie can't quite decide how critical it wants to be of Black Adam. Yeah. Because on the one hand, yeah, there's the like killing helpless people, even though they did bad things, is not something I'm normally going to sign up for. But also, as you said, all the people love him. He's not a dictator. He's the person they rose up. He's the person they wanted. And the JS the JS oh, JSA is completely uninterested in listening to what the people actually want. Yeah. Well, it's frustrating because it feels like the movie has two central ethical questions. One is the anti-imperialist argument that is raised, which feels like Mm -hmm. a conversation for grown-ups. And then there's, is killing bad, which is a conversation for five-year-olds, the way that it's presented in the movie. Like, it has That's a great way to see it, yeah. They don't feel, they feel like they're in different movies. Like, it feels like Aldous Hodge walked in from a movie for children sometimes. And, like, this is not a knock on Aldous Hodge, who's doing a great job, looks amazing. All of the nth metal stuff, which is, like, the metal that he has. Just to be who is Aldous Hodge playing? Oh, Hawkman. Um, okay, yeah. But all of the um, the weird magical metal that he has, it's called Nth Metal. It all looks so cool. He's doing great jobs. It's not, it's not his fault that his lines were written for an after-school special. But there's this disconnect between the part of the movie that's operating like we're having an adult conversation and talking about real things and the part of the movie that is taking the idea of whether killing is ever ethical and putting it in this weird abstract absolute Mm -hmm. yes or no when i'm sorry but we can't have that discussion unless you want to like as you said differentiate between say killing and murder self-defense and murder like there it's it's more complicated than that um and the conclusion that they eventually come to seems to be some people have to kill to look really cool. And that's why I'm not going to be Teth Adam anymore, which is the character's real name. I'm going to be... And then there's a title card that says Black Adam. It's like, what? Mm-hmm. What? Is he going to ride a skateboard? I mean, Amon rides a skateboard. The, the kid character rides a skateboard the whole movie, and it's great. But I don't want Black Adam on a skateboard. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like, Aldous Hodge does a fantastic performance, but, like, nothing he says ever gives him any actual leverage over Black Adam. No, no. Sorry, I had to make the, the – I love him. In a, it, I know the character from Leverage had to make the bad joke. Um, but I think you put it so well, particularly because, like, 
especially because I think the thing that really gets missed when he has that much more childlike idea of it is Hawkman may believe that, but I am utterly certain that um, there is no universe in which Amanda Waller right. is concerned that a hero is killing too much. Amanda Waller right, is like- 100% concerned that there's a superhero out there who's not under her control. Yes. Not under American control. Yes. And I think that was the thing that the movie needed. Was it needed some – like, I like the idea that maybe he's the extremist on the team – and somehow something about him and Dr. Fate, who I love the friendship that's portrayed, and also Pierce Brosnan, just oh, fantastic so in this movie. So good. Um, uh, but, like, there's never the character – we need uh, – like, oh, I'm showing my lack of DC knowledge. Uh, I, I, I can picture him. I know the actor because the actor was so good in Altered Carbon. But what's the name of the person who's the head of Task Force X? Who's oh, the Rick kind Flagg? Of- Rick Flagg. Yeah, thank yeah, you. yeah. And granted, like in later points, he kind of has has shifts as well in in the second Suicide Squad movie. But you know, you needed that person who's a little more hoorah for Amanda Waller, or like that's what the, has to get done. And yeah. it's starting out with her, but then it it feels to me like this is a movie written to some extent by committee, or where like the initial version of this yes. movie was actually going to be on some level Amanda Waller is the bad guy, and on some level like you know. But then, like, the studio saw it or someone else saw it and was like, eh, that's more Suicide Squad. This is still supposed to be a happy movie. Uh, let's tone that down somewhat uh, and See, and make just kind of like a happy, shiny movie. I feel more like Amanda Waller was added later. Like, it feels like they were like, we got to connect it more to the DCEU. So throw in some mm. characters that we've seen before. But, I mean, yeah, it's like, if, if Hawkman doesn't want to kill, why is he working for Amanda Waller? Or with Amanda Waller, whatever their relationship is, like, he he should understand that that's a disconnect. And it feels like, like, he has no idea. Um, Adam Smasher has no idea because he's an idiot. I love him so much. Mm -hmm. He's so stupid. Um, Cyclone could probably figure it out, given enough context, because she's very smart. I feel like Dr. Fate knows. (laughs) He's well aware. And he's just indulging Hawkman. But, like, how do you... It just, it just, it makes, it makes absolutely no sense. And Hawkman is not classically a character who's particularly opposed to killing. So it all feels just like very, very strange. I'm um, not sure that if you're, you, your goal is non-lethal violence, that a spiked magical mace <laughs> is really your weapon of choice. Well, so it's interesting to me that the, the movie gets so sort of childish in how it discusses this, because as I said, the, it's partially, only partially, I don't even want to say base, inspired by a Justice Society storyline from 2004. Um, it's called uh, Black Adam, JSA, Black Rain. There's like a trade paperback of it if people want to buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's by Jeff Johns. And basically what happens in that story Black Adam is, he's not like woken up in it. He's been around. He's actually a member of the JSA because he's been a villain. He is classically, he is a Shazam villain. Um, But at this point he is, um, he wants to redeem himself. He wants to be a hero. So he joins the JSA, Um, but he doesn't really jive with their, you know, because they are classic superheroes. So they don't kill. And he is thousands of years old. So he's like, that's idiotic. Um, Right. 
And so he slowly amasses like a small group of characters who agree with him, including Adam Smasher, actually, who is not nearly as much of a rookie, but still significantly younger. And like his mom just died. He's been through some stuff that's like kind of made him more cynical. And ultimately, Black Adam and his little team, including Adam Smasher, go to Kandak, which at the time is being ruled by a dictator. And it's actually... Black Adam, who kills the dictator, or Adam Smasher, rather, who kills the dictator for Black Adam. Black Adam takes over the country. And again, the people of Kandak love him. They were oppressed under the dictator. They hated him. They are now free. They are happy that he is there. And the JSA is like, well, that can't stand. There's no Amanda Waller. They are not government affiliated. They just go in on their own to, I guess, depose Black Adam. They have no plan for what's going to happen to the country once they've punched him in the face enough to punish him Mm -hmm. for killing people. Like, they don't have a... They're not there for the people of Kandak. They don't have a plan. It's literally just, we are superheroes, and you guys killed people. So we have to stop you because killing is bad. And I'm not out here saying that killing is not bad, but they're just, anything they do is just going to destabilize the country further. And also because they're positioned in the story as being in the moral right, anything that they do, no matter how awful it is, because this is an era where like comics were really, really, um, violent and gory and gritty mm-hmm. is also positioned as morally right. So like at one point, um, Hawkman has a godson who's like a bird person. I can't, I'm not going to go into it. He has real wings. He's like a bird guy. And um, Hawkman rips one of his wings off of his body. Like he literally, I mean, it's the equivalent of like pulling your arm or your leg out of its socket. Uh, his own godson. And then he just leaves him for dead on the ground, but not actually dead, just left for dead. And the, the golden age flash is like, dude, like what? And he's like, like, there's no remorse. There's, he's just like, well, I, I think he does cry about it a little later, but he's like, I had to, because we're the good guys. And none of this is questioned at all. Like the, the authority of the JSA to storm into this country and, again, like, remove the ruler that the people of the country love is never questioned. And of course, keep in mind, this is 2004. So the US really was very much in the Middle East doing that. Like, the the political context is super, super relevant there. But it is the idea of overthrowing something without knowing what comes next. I mean, that was literally what was happening in Iraq and Afghanistan. Absolutely. And it is treated as this very simple black and white. If you kill people, that's bad. And superheroes will stop you. And that's good, which you can't apply. You can apply that rubric to, uh, you know, the Adam West, (laughs) TV show or the George Reeves TV show. You can't, or you can apply it to many, many superhero comics. That's fine. If Lex Luthor is doing a bad thing and Superman stops him, great. But it doesn't apply to a complex geopolitical situation. And it was so refreshing to see the movie use a very similar framework, but 
utterly reject the moral perspective that the original comic had and said, no, actually, this isn't okay. And it's such a fascinating question. And I know I'm not much of a behind the scenes kind of Hollywood person, but I I have actually did some digging on this uh, inspired by a podcast I listened to uh, that I'll post a link to. Because one of the things I've learned is that apparently, actually, this is something that is very important to Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. Yeah. Is that one of his early kind of movies, he was portrayed as kind of a very morally gray figure. And he was like, no, 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 no. The Rock doesn't, you know, play. That's not what The Rock is cooking. Like, he has this now thing of, like, he will only be in movies where he is equivocally the good guy and he wins, you know? And that has those two things have to be the case. And... I remember reading a lot about how Black, like the part of what was going to make this character interesting was that he was a real anti-hero. He was kind of like the the Punisher in some ways, where he was like, he's doing good things, and you don't really love his methods, but A, he's taking care of the thing that has to be taken care of, and B, he's badass and cool while he does it, so you're kind of like, maybe you question it, or maybe you just go with it. Um but that's the character, and I, I got the sense that they kind of wanted him to be that. But also, it's the Rock, and so the Rock has to ultimately be right in everything. Um, so it just, it just feels like a real mess of a movie where there were a lot of questions they were trying to raise, but were afraid of, and a lot of different cooks in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. So let me now ask this, and this is mostly an ethics podcast, and we're going to keep this rant that I know you have inside of you fairly short, but. I have now seen the following versions of Hawkman. Him and his uh, love were like hawk god type things in ancient Egypt and have now been reborn again and again and again throughout time. Hawkman and Hawkgirl are aliens and they come from a planet of literal bird people. And so in both of those versions, often like the, the feathers are real. It's like who he is. There's also versions where it's technology, but it's because he's being reborn again and again. And uh, the HBO show uh, Titans, which is a very interesting take on some of this, though very odd in some ways, but has two of my favorite actors from two of my favorite uh, shows about high school football um, and college football, oddly enough, reuniting as Hawkman and, and – uh, they're Hawkman and Dawn. Uh, no, wait, Hawkman wait, Hawk and, and Dove? Hawk and Dove, thank you. Um, who, yeah, it's never Hawkman, it's Hawk and Dove. Yeah, they're different And they're clearly characters. just human, they're clearly just humans. Different characters with the same last name. <laughs> but also the same outfits, because they build bird costumes that they use while yeah. fighting. So, I just, I, who is Hawkman in <laughs> Oh, okay. I just, I just want you to know that in the, um... In the annals of complicated messes of characters, Hawkman reigns supreme. Hawkman is classically considered the worst and most confusing. Um, but I will, I will try, (laughs) I will try to sum it up. I do have an article, actually, if you go back in my archives on Book Riot, I did actually break it all the different versions down. Basically, the original version of Hawkman was a man named Carter Hall. He was an archaeologist who discovers that he is, in fact, a reincarnated Egyptian prince. Um, And that he and his love um, were murdered 
and they have been reincarnated over and over again ever since. And he meets her, and her name is Shiera Saunders. They eventually um, get married. Um, so that's Carter and Shiera Hall. They are the original Hawkman and Hawk Girl, later Hawk Woman. Do they have wings? They have um, little uh, backpack wings. They're, they don't come out of. They're not um, organic wings. They are okay. props. Um, they also have. Um, a magical metal that Hawkman uh, invented or discovered called Ninth Metal. So after World War II, a lot of superheroes stopped being published. They just weren't on trend anymore. And in the 50s and 60s, DC took a lot of their concepts and revamped them. And so with Hawkman, that's when they became alien cops from the planet Thanagar. Um and they, as you do, as you do, because um, if there were two things that comics in the fifties and sixties loved, it was space and cops. So they were space cops. Green Lantern is another example. They turned him into a space cop. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were now called Katar Hall, K A T A R H O L, and Shinera. Um And they came to Earth and joined the Justice League and did their Hawk People thing for a while. Um, then eventually, and I'm not going to get into all the ins and outs of it because this will be a three hour episode, but DC was like, okay, we're going to have both versions of these. But the very short version of this is they um, screwed up their own timeline and all of a sudden nothing made any sense. And so they were like, okay, They've all always been the same people. So the reincarnated ones eventually reincarnated as alien space cops, which... Okay. You cut, you, it's kind of streamlined. Sure. And also, they are all avatars of the Hawk God. Sure, sure. sure. And so Hawk and Dove, uh, Hank and Don Hall, entirely different characters. And then there's later Dawn. So D-O-N is... The Mm -hmm. original dub, the guy. And then Dawn, D-A-W-N, is the second dub. Anyway, they are not biologically related, but Hawk is part of an avatar of the Hawk God. It's a mess. It's a mess. Um, (laughs) Let me break in to ask this. Them coming from ancient Egypt and some ideas of it and being reincarnated again and again. Yes. Just to see if this all ties together. At any point while they're doing ancient Egypt things, did they fight some manifestation of the kind of like, like a scorpion god <laughs> or man or oh, king? They, maybe no, no, they just knew Black Adam. Like okay, yeah, okay. no, um, Hawkman and Doctor Fate and Black Adam just used to hang out in Egypt thousands of years ago. Okay. Because Dr. So, Fate... So Kundak and Egypt being parallels are very close to each other is, is that that's part of the story going way back. Yeah, Kendak is like, basically in the DCU map, you just carve out a... It's like a... In, in the real world, it's all Egypt, but in the DCU, there's a little part of Egypt that's actually Kendak. Right, um, it's like it's the southern part, kind of like at the, 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 the near the mouth of the or near the uh, the, the southernmost parts of the Nile River from the I'm, map I saw. That part, I'm not sure exactly where it is. I think it's I I don't know. I'm sh- I don't think it's consistent. Um, yeah, but yeah, thousands of years ago, they all used to like be buds, and then Black Adam decided to, you know, be too extreme and had to be punished and sent to his tomb or whatever. But anyway, the point is. Um, 
the Hawkman comics have pretty much any comic that addresses Hawkman has um, basically uh, come to the conclusion of we don't know. He doesn't know. Nobody knows. It's kind of funny. And like, no, they, they just don't even try to solve it anymore. Like one of yeah. my very favorite panels is one of um, after Green Arrow comes back from the dead. Um he looks at Hawkman and he goes, he's saying like, can't two guys who've died and come back just josh around once in a while. And then he looks at Hawkman and he goes, actually, did you die? I'm not sure what your whole deal is. And Hawkman <laughs> says, neither am I. Like, yeah, I, just I thought know. it was interesting that, and maybe you saw this more clearly, uh, or in part because you know more of the character, but in this iteration, I was honestly unsure if the wings were pure technology or was some kind of like technological assistance to wings that like sprout out of his body. And I don't think that ambiguity was entirely unintentional. Like it did feel like they never actually kind of clarified it in part because they're like, which Hawkman do you love? Who cares? He's yep, all of them. Yep. I, I love that they refuse to explain anything about it. Like I'm guessing He's the ancient Egypt version because that's the version who's associated with the Justice Society and Dr. Fate and Black Adam. And there are some lines about aliens in the movies. So it'd be kind of weird if the whole thing was like, oh, by the way, I'm from the planet Thanagar. Like, (laughs) I'm assuming that he is, in fact, the reincarnated Egyptian prince version, but they don't make it clear at all. And like like I said, all of that, the ship... His weapons, his wings, they're all made of nth metal. It was originally ninth metal, and then it, they changed it to nth metal to be more science-y in the 60s. Um, mm-hmm. So they, it, it's magic metal. That it does. Okay. I mean, it's like Eternium. Like, what does it do? I don't know. Whatever the story needs it to do. Yeah, they're, they're both plot device metal. Yeah, it's plot. De- exactly. It's plot device metal. Um, also, fun fact. Um if you wa- if you have watched Sandman, which I haven't, but I- I've read it, um, there is a character in it named Hector Hall. Um, he is actually the son of Hawkman and Hawkgirl. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So it's just I- I'm glad we're going to have this conversation because it, it just was such a. Because here's the- actually the best thing I can say about the movie is that the acting performances are so good. By all the people we've mentioned. And the dialogue is at times so funny mm-hmm. that you're kind of just swept along with it and yeah. like greatly enjoying it till you get to the end and are like, wait a minute, what did I just watch? <laughs> <laughs> and like all the sort of like things of like, wait, that didn't make any sense. That that could have been. And like, I kind of wish I, I, at some level, like I want to see the much more serious adult version of this movie. But I'm also glad that this one existed. I just wish that they didn't maybe try to make it sort of an adult movie and just let it be, you know, The Rock and Pierce Brosnan and Aldous from Leverage and all the other amazing actors and actresses just to have their fun. Yeah. And I mean, I – yeah, like we've said, like the the debate between uh, Hawkman and Black Adam about killing is framed in a really childish way, but mm-hmm. – the scene <laughs> where Black Adam takes a couple of intergang guys, like, really, he just flies up really high in the sky to interrogate them. And 
uh, Hawkman's like, don't kill them. And he's like, okay, I won't. And then he just drops them and Hawkman has to go catch them. <laughs> and he's like, I didn't kill them. I dropped them and you caught them. Like that scene is so funny and so enjoyable that I'm like, okay, our, the, the ethical yeah. debate is stupid, but I had a good time there. And like, I will say, like, I don't think that it necessarily has to be a serious movie to grapple with the issues it addresses in a more complex way. I think, yeah. I mean, you know, you and I just recorded an episode about um, Kevin Conroy, who voiced Batman in many, many children's shows. And I think Batman the Animated Series, Justice League, all of those shows did grapple with complicated ethical issues in a thoughtful way. So I think you can still make a movie that's very fun and has a lot of humor, but also like follows its thought processes all the way through to the end, yeah. which this one isn't really doing. Um, but at the end of the day, I had a good time at the movie theater. Yeah, I, I think it's well put. And I, it's funny because now I'm thinking even more about that, like the do not kill, do not murder question. Because to me, so much of it is about the intentionality of, you know, the intentional act of I'm choosing to kill this person, but also the like, are you being aware that death might be a consequence of your actions? Because to me, that plays in very much to what you brought up at the very beginning about how when they're fighting, Black Adam is very conscious of his surroundings mm -hmm. and very conscious not to do collateral damage. Like... Adam Smasher, as he smashes through <laughs> apartment buildings and office buildings and causes, like, numerous people die no. because of the actions that they take. I'm sorry. No. I hate to Al's say it. a good boy. He would never, Henry, his godfather, Henry Winkler, would never allow him to do that. I know. I know. He's a very good... He is the he is the closest thing to a pure mensch I have seen in the superhero world, and I love it very much. He always calls his mother, I'm sure. He, he does, he, he loves her. He's a very good Jewish boy. He is. With a lot of blood on his hands. As <laughs> no. does Hawkman, as his does giant hands. Exactly, exactly. Um So and just just so I'm clear on that character, like in terms of naming conventions here. So He's Adam Smasher. Mm -hmm. When you smash atoms, you release <laughs> great amounts of energy. That's what nuclear power and nuclear weapons are all about. Yeah. He's just DC's Ant-Man, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Except he mostly gets big instead he of small. Doesn't, he doesn't get tiny. He only gets big. He, um, he used to be able to phase through walls in the 80s, but they were like, what? And they okay. got rid of that. He just, he's just very big and very strong and not the brightest boy, but he has a good heart. So smashing is literally, like, he's literally pushing atoms away from each other to, to stretch well, so and evolve. And <laughs> when he, he, when he originally debuted, he's the godson of the Golden Age Adam. So the character that Henry Winkler plays for like two seconds in a cameo. In the movie, he's referred to as the original Adam Smasher. But in the comics, mm -hmm. that's he, that was not the case. He was the original Adam. And he was called that because he was short. And that was it. He didn't have any powers. He was just real short. And he was mad about it. So he learned how to punch good. And the Justice Society was like, good enough for us. And just to be clear, that's also the same, a very different version of it, but it's the same Adam who appears in the Arrowverse and becomes eventually part of the League of the uh, Legends of Tomorrow team. No. 
Okay, that's something totally... Isn't he also called Adam? Yes. So that's another case where, like Hawkman um, and Green Lantern, there was an original version from the Golden Age, like a World War II version. And in that case, Mm -hmm. um, the original Adam was Al Pratt, the character played by Henry Winkler in the movie, and his only power was being short. Um, Eventually, he developed an atomic punch, whatever that is, but originally he was just short. And then after World War II, he kind of disappeared. And they made a new version who could shrink. And that's the version who's played by Brandon Routh in all the Arrowverse shows. So that's Ray Palmer. The original was Al Pratt. The um, Silver Age version is um, Ray Palmer. And they're total, they're different characters. Um, Al Rothstein, Adam Smasher is the godson of Al Pratt, the original Adam. Al Rothstein's original code name in the 80s was Nuclon with a K because it was the 80s and he had a mohawk. It was amazing. Um, but after... Wow. Yeah, it was great. Um, but after uh, his godfather, the Golden Age Adam, died, he changed his own code name to Adam Smasher to honor his godfather. Um, and that is what he has been called ever since. But there's no real... I mean, technically, the reason he can grow so big is because his grandfather's genes were mutated by radiation in the 40s. But like, there's not really any atomic anything going on. He's just he's just a very big boy. Okay. He's a very fun character. I'm going to suggest to DC that perhaps introducing two new characters as major characters, one of them named Adum and the other (laughs) Atum is not the best, but... Fair enough. But um, they, they had to because they love each other. Like, again, there's a lot in those uh, um, early 2000s Justice Society comics that are not – it's not really thought through or not very intentional. Mm-hmm. And the intense homoeroticism in the comics between Black <laughs> Adam and Adam Smasher is not intentional. But, oh, boy, is it there. So the little stinger at the end – like, towards the end of the movie where the JSA is leaving and Adam Smasher, like – goes back and fanboys over Black Adam, I was like, aw, thanks for putting that in the movie just for me. You know, I'm sure that the number of fanfics that have been written, therefore, about Adam smashing has been legend, but we will leave that for an entirely other discussion. Um, all right, well, it's been awesome. I'm glad that you got me to see this movie. I'm glad you had, because uh, there was so much to talk about in it. Uh, any other last comments from you about the movie, and like, like last bits you wanted to bring up or questions you wanted to dive into? Um, y- yeah, the... The other thing that I really loved about this movie, I loved Amon, he, the um, son of Adriana, the mm-hmm. archaeologist. Um, he's like 12. Like I said, he's on a skateboard literally 200% of the movie, and somehow it's not annoying. Like, he's, they did such, it would be so easy to have the little kid character be annoying, and he's not. The actor is wonderful. The way he's written is wonderful, and he's, he's absolutely the, sort of pure heart heart of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. He's the one because we didn't really get into this, but it is revealed towards the end of the movie that Black Adam was never actually the protector of Kandak. That was his son. Um, And his son died and he inherited the powers, but he has no real interest in being a hero. He's just very sad that his son died 5,000 years ago. And it's Amon who's really the one who's like, but 
you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Like yeah. you, you have this power. We need a hero. You could be a hero. You could be our hero. And right. it's a moan who later does my favorite superhero trope and like rallies the people to help fight the bad guys alongside the heroes. It's my absolute favorite thing that ever happens in superhero media. They do a great job of it. Um, and he's just wonderful. And I'm so glad that they, yeah. that they included that character. And I'm really glad you brought that up because I'd forgotten about that. But in some ways, like the question of, yeah, to, to quote, to take the Star Wars perspective on it, but it's true in so much of this media of like, are you trying to like fight the bad or protect the good? You know, that would have been a much more interesting ethical question mm-hmm. for Hawkman and Black Adam to get into because you're right. Black Adam doesn't want to protect. He wants to punish. And the people he wants to punish are bad people. And by punishing them, he will stop them. But it's literally the kind of debates of the Punisher. Yeah. And that would have been such a more interesting question. But you're right. Amon does bring that up so well. He also, and again in a way that like I'm amazed he could do this without it either seeming cliche or annoying, a lot of his early interactions with Black Adam are quite literally stolen from Terminator 2. They're so true. Thank you. Yes. in which, you know, you have this character who doesn't really understand human mores, everything from, like, you shouldn't actually kill people if you can avoid it, to you have to have a cool saying when you hit the bad guy. And, like, there's this iteration where he's like, no, you've got to say a cool thing. And Black Adam isn't sure what he should say. And then Black Adam, like, kills a person and then says it. It's like, no, 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 say the thing first, then kill the person. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, gets it. And it's... 100% Terminator, especially, and, and, and it's beautiful also because, again, you're right, the kid is all in favor of Black Adam, not the Justice Society, and it's in part because he's a bloodthirsty little kid. Yeah. Like, he has no problem with the carnage and, and death that Black Adam is dealing out, but it also makes sense because he... He has a very, like, virt- like righteous, like, these people have enslaved us, and yeah, yeah you, you, uh, like... Do I think the best thing to do is to seek revenge and do horrible things if the people have done horrible things to you? No. When I'm not the person who's had horrible things do to me, do I feel like I can just sit in judgment completely? No. Like, and, and I think he's like, and also do I expect a 12 year old to have a fully fleshed out idea of what should happen to the people who are oppressing him? Of course not. No. And yeah, he, it, it's completely the gimmick from Terminator 2 that works, but it's also, in many ways, I think his conversations with Adam are much more ethically rich than than what happens with Hawkman. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, he, I mean, I think Adriana says that the country has been under Intergang's thumb for 27 years, I want to say. it's right. Whatever number she says, it's more years than Amon has been alive. And so, yeah. I don't blame him for being like, yeah, kill them all. But also, like, most of the people that he's like, kill them all are, like, actively trying to kill Amon at that moment. Like, he's right. kidnapped like 19 times in this movie. Um, and, and yet, and still be- not annoying. And yet, to be clear, Intergang has been there for 27 years, but I think it's very clear that it's not like Black Adam gave them freedom. They had freedom for 4,000 years and then Intergang came along. This is very much a nation that has been colonized yes. and taken over by local powers and foreign powers again and again and yes. again and again. So yes, absolutely. Yeah, he's only known – inter- like he's never known freedom, but the country is also very rarely known freedom. Yeah. 
100%. And I think that that was, I mean, it's a kind of a throwaway line, um, but it, it really adds a lot of nuance to, yeah. like, I want more movies set in Kandak. I want to know more about this country. And it's certainly yeah. given much more richness than it really ever has been in the comics. Um, but yeah, I just think he was a fantastic character. And yeah, I was like, are you going to teach him to say hasta la vista, baby? Like, <laughs> that, I've well, seen what this is the movie tag- before. What is the tagline he comes up with? Uh, it's like when you meet the god of death, Oh, say hello. Yeah. Yeah. Tell him I say hello. Yeah. It's not even like, yeah, t- tell him I say hello. Which I think yeah, is I- specifically cribbed from the Western that they're watching. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, I agree with you. I'd love to see more movies set in this time. Uh, I will say that um, this is an issue that you and I are not really in a place to talk much about, but just worth bringing up. It is great to see representation of a North African, Middle Eastern part of the world. Um, I appreciate that this was The Rock's passion project and appreciate that he wanted to bring it forward. And I'm very glad it wasn't a, a white person playing this role. Uh, but I know a number of people, iconic creators who I follow from that part of the world, have said that maybe having a Polynesian uh, 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 black... Uh, that maybe having someone who's half Polynesian, half black play a character from North Africa, Middle East was not the best. Yeah. There's a lot of sides to that debate. I more just kind of want to bring it up rather than try to get into it because it's not one I can speak on. I think, Jesse, I know you feel the same. Yep. Um, but it, but it's again, like, you know, it, it's something like if we're going to get more movies in that part of the world, it might be nice to have more representation from that part of the world. Um, but yeah, it's, it's overall, I think it's a fun movie to watch. I think. Don't get too sucked in by the questions of it, but it, it, it it's one of those movies that raises some great questions in part intentionally and in part very unintentionally. Yeah, I think I think that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Well, Jess, again, thank you so much. Um, for people who don't know your stuff, um, you, you suggested that we can dig through the archives. If it's possible, if you can actually find that link, I'd love to put it in the show notes yeah. uh, to the article you wrote about that great uh, period from way back. Yeah, um, I... Uh can share the my breakdown of all the hawk related characters. I also I do a lot of writing about comics over at bookriot.com, so I've also actually got a couple of recent pieces that are very relevant to this movie. Um one about um Black Adam's very first appearance in comics many decades ago, um and one about the history of um the character that Adriana Tomas is based on, um who uh used to be a the, she was the f- first superhero to get her own show, um, the superhero Isis, uh, back in the seventies mm. before Wonder Woman. Um, so she has a really interesting history. So I will, I will share awesome. all those links. Yeah, please do, please do. All right, and of course, audience, what do you think about all this? We'd love to hear your thoughts. If you go to theethicalpanda.com, you'll find our Facebook, you'll find our email, you might find our Twitter. It is a glorious hellscape to behold as uh, wonderful unhinged people bring America that little corner of American capitalism to its knees because of the foolishness of Mr. Elon Musk. Uh, but you can tweet at us for the time being. You can email us, Facebook us. Let us know what you think. Of course, if you go to theethicalpanda.com, you'll find all of our other content. Uh, you can click on Jess Plummer's name and you get a whole bunch of our uh, think get a whole bunch of episodes that she's been a part of. Uh, you can also find our Star Wars content where we're going episode by episode through Star Wars Andor, which no spoilers, but wow, the ethical questions that it's bringing up in some really great ways. Um, all sorts of great content there that we'd love for you to check out. So let us know what you think. Thank you for listening. And more than anything, have a great day. Bye.